I still remember the day I woke up and I looked over at my wife and I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit today. And she was like, it's not a bad idea. And I didn't really at that time have a plan for what was next, but I knew that my racket sports ability has always, again, taken me to places that I never thought I would be or see or anything like that. Looking around us, it's clear. We're living in a time of transition. So many of us are grappling with personal and professional turning points and asking ourselves, what now? As I'm currently navigating this very complex question myself, I want a quest to talk to regular people like you and me who have also found themselves in the messy middle of life. Hear their stories and learn how they're taking bold action to move forward with clarity and conviction. This is the What Now Project. Do you feel like there's a calling that seems to follow you no matter how much success you rack up in your day job? By all accounts, former collegiate tennis player Chris Clark was making significant moves in corporate, working for some of the biggest brands in sports and CPG. But despite all that, racket sports kept calling his name, even when he preferred to avoid it. But eventually, the time came when he could no longer ignore his father's prescient words, that tennis would take him places he'd never been before. And his what now moment ultimately became Toss and Spin, a brand that is making racket sports accessible to all through camps, clinics, team building, and corporate events. Launched at the height of the pandemic, Toss and Spin has managed to defy the odds, moving its influence beyond its home base of Chicago and onto the national stage. I wanted to sit down with Chris to understand his process after he realized work wasn't working for him anymore and how he managed to make sports his business during a really challenging time. How did he find the tenacity to move forward? And what resources has he leveraged to make Toss and Spin such a success? The decision to become an entrepreneur is not an easy one to make, even when you feel it's your calling. So if this is a choice you're toying with, you'll definitely want to tune into this conversation. When playing tennis as a kid, is this how you envisioned your life to be? Becoming an entrepreneur, owner of a racket sports company. Are you doing what you wanted to do or what you wished you would do when you grew up? So it's funny you say that. Growing up, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. And at nine years old, my dad told me, I'm not very good at basketball, but if I stuck to tennis, it would take me places I'd never been before. When he said that, I honestly thought it meant I was going to be the biggest superstar in the world. From a tennis perspective, what I didn't understand is just the work that goes into being a professional athlete. But what this allowed me to do was really hone in on other skills and still use my love for racket sports to create a business. So I would say the pathway kind of looked like this, but I believe we are or I am where I'm meant to be at the moment. That's got to be a great feeling. Maybe we can talk a little bit about your career and what brought you to this point. I mean, you've worked with some of the biggest brands, you know, in sports. So tell us a little bit more about that. So I'm a former college tennis player. I played college tennis at the University of Toledo, did my grad school there as well, while being an assistant coach of the women's tennis team. And then I was one of those people that said I would never go into corporate unless it was working for sports or in sports. So got a job working for Gatorade, mostly in marketing, but doing a little bit of marketing, sales, product, you name it. 
spent four years at Gatorade, which to this day, their culture and their people, it was just a great experience. I still keep in touch with many of the people that I worked with, and it was a lot of fun. I can't believe it was so long ago. Left Gatorade to go back into my passion, which was racket sports. So Chris left Gatorade to work for Wilson Sporting Goods, and it was there where he not only had the opportunity to embrace his passion for racket sports, but also to get his first taste of entrepreneurship. So was a product manager on the global team dealing with the ideation to commercialization of how products come to market, specifically tennis products. I learned so much there because I was running a business within a company, which was really fun for me. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to take stock options and all this glitter and glam, and I'm going to go to Kraft Heinz. And it was the moment where I had got away from my core values, which was I'm going to work in corporate. It needs to be in sports. I have to care about what I do. I'm not one that can just go to work and fake it and make a lot of money doing that. I have to be engaged in what I'm doing. Within six months there, it was hard for me to get out the bed. I didn't want to go to work. I still remember the day I woke up and I looked over at my wife and I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit today. And she was like, it's not a bad idea. And I didn't really at that time have a plan for what was next, but I knew that my racket sports ability has always, again, taken me to places that I never thought I would be or see or anything like that. So left Kraft Heinz and just was teaching a little tennis. This is in 2019. Got a job working for a sports startup based in the Bay. The pandemic happened. So then I'm kind of back to square one. And at that time, it had been a rough couple of years just leaving craft. Startup world didn't go as I intended it to go. And then I said, you know what? I'm never going back to corporate. Instead of me just being a tennis pro, let's go all in and combine my superpower, what I believe is racket sports and my ability and all the information I learned in corporate working for these different companies, put it together. And that's how we created Toss and Spin. The cool thing about it is I'm able to do the deals with companies, but I'm also able to get on the court, get my hands dirty and still excel and be an expert on the court. And I think that's what really makes our business unique. It's a group of people who have been in corporate, maybe currently in corporate, but they understand what people are looking for. That's the high level of how we got here today. I love how Chris was able to return back to what he loved while still leaning into the experience he gathered in corporate, even though that life was not his jam. I think we've all had these detours in life that felt like they pulled us further and further away from our core desires, values, and talents. When in some ways, the skills and lessons learned during those detours can actually help us build the very thing we've long desired. I'm noticing here how, I don't want to call it a spur moment decision, but you're not the only person I've talked to in recent weeks who woke up one day, decided that a job wasn't for them, and quit that job just to kind of see what's next. But what you did was you didn't just sit around and wait. I'm sure you were job hunting, but you were also engaging in tennis. You were doing those lessons. Were the seeds planted then for the business you have today? Or at the time, did you just think, this is just something I'm going to do on the side while I wait to move into eventually what was the startup role? In full transparency, when I took the job at Kraft, I planned to never teach tennis again. Figured we've made it. We don't need, really need a side hustle, right? But that was the first time I realized that 
I just enjoyed being in tennis. I enjoyed pickleball. I enjoyed being in racket sports. So no matter how much money I make here, it's irrelevant because if I'm not happy, it doesn't mean anything, right? I'm just wasting days away, almost like not a slow death, but in essence, a slow death. So that was one of the things in my head. I was like, we have to get back to doing what we love to do. And then that gap time, I mean, in full transparency too, I've saved, I've worked in corporate. So it wasn't that I needed to find a job the next day. And I think that's the blessing of it. So I had a little more freedom to figure it out for a bit. Let's take four or five months off. Let's teach a little tennis. Let's figure it out from here. And then for a little during the pandemic, I was already building that groundwork. And I just needed to put the pieces together in order to make it into a real business. But I think tennis is an industry where you can get away with teaching and doing many different things without a business. It's just how it is. But I wanted to do it right and wanted to create an empire. That's what I told my wife. We're, or she Maybe she told me that. I'm not sure. We're building an empire. So <laughs> I still live by that. And I'm really trying to figure out how far we can take it because I know the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So what's the next big thing and how big can we take it? And then once we get to a, a point, I'm sure it was like, okay, now we're there. There's no bigger. Maybe there always is. We'll find out. So talk a little bit about where Toss and Spin is today from you know, <coughs> teaching lessons to individuals to what are you up to right now? We created Toss and Spin to provide access and enjoyment to racket sports. So I viewed racket sports as a very stuffy industry. So we're really putting the fun into it music, dancing in classes, meeting new people. But we built Toss and Spin on three things. Club experience, because you should be able to go to a club, but you should also be able to get that same experience at the park. Convenience, so dense cities, you want to be able to walk or go somewhere in your neighborhood to have an athletic experience. And then connection. For me, as I get older, it's very hard to meet people. So having a place where outside of going to the bar or something like that to be able to connect with one another is also super helpful. So Toss and Spin offers lessons, classes, but where we are today, while we're offering lessons and classes in pickleball, we are really big into team building and curated pickleball events because we are a completely turnkey company. So we live by a model. You can just show up and show out. You don't need equipment. You do need shoes, but everything else is virtually taken care of. Yeah, I think what you've done a really good job of is just differentiating the brand from just let's get together and play sports or work out. But you can really sense the community, the growth of that community through everything that I see you post. So I know pickleball has become super popular in the past couple of years. I think I told you last year, I had never even heard of that phrase. Someone mentioned the word pickleball to me and I was like, what? So just love that you're bringing this to Chicago, but you're also going national, right? Uh, yeah. So the goal is to work with brands and really have them get into the sport of pickleball. So curated events. So we partnered with Shake Shack. And what that meant for us is we went to them with an idea of how to get to more consumers through the sport of pickleball, which is relevant for their brand. And now we're taking that same concept nationally. So the thing is, if you Google, like, I want a pickleball team building or let's do a pickleball event, nothing comes up, nothing. The space is empty right now because it's very difficult to execute these events. You need permits, you need staffing, you need equipment, all the things that most people don't want to be bothered with. 
right? So for us, it's about being in a space that we know we can execute, that we know we're the experts and really showing companies that they should be in it too. Here's where I wanted to talk a little bit more about the business side of the business. Toss and Spin launched officially in 2020 and has grown exponentially during a time when a lot of in-person event-based businesses were struggling to survive. For anyone thinking of launching their own business, this is the time to start taking notes. What do you attribute to the growth of Toss and Spin? And I'm even thinking the early days from the nuts and bolts of how did you promote it and how has it spread? So... I attribute it to my experience in racket sports and my ability to teach on the court. Because remember, it just started with me teaching. And then I attribute it to bridging my marketing skills together. One of the first things I did, and if you're running a business, I think you have to when you're starting. People sometimes always want results right now, and they don't think of the bigger pictures. I'm a bigger picture person. So while the business was profitable and healthy, we were spending money because we knew we were growing and we knew we had to keep investing in the business, right? So I say that to say we put dollars into digital marketing, we put dollars into Google ads because we knew that there was very little competition outside of the clubs, specifically in Chicago. So that marketing, that word of mouth, and building relationships, showing people that what we do is what we say, it went a long way. And I think that groundwork has helped us be where we are today. And I saw us being here, but I didn't necessarily know how we were going to get there. Just like I see us doing events all around the world. I believe it. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but I know if we keep doing what we're doing, it is going to happen. You started this business, which essentially involves a lot of in-person interaction. What at the height of the pandemic? How did that work exactly? One, the business was outside. So that was around the time where it was still a little weird. You're trying to figure out contact point. What does it look like to be outside? Misinformation, that type of thing. But we actually started having classes outdoor with masks on. And it's crazy for me to think about that. But yeah, all of our classes were masked. And obviously we lost some business because of it. But I just felt like that was the right thing to do at the time. The good thing was, again, we were outside. So it made it easy for us to, I shouldn't say easy, but people were more comfortable being outside than inside. So it allowed us a revenue stream to keep building the business. Another thing to think about is, at that time too, clubs were still struggling. People weren't going back in the gyms and things like that. So we built it in the height of the pandemic because a lot of people like, do I really need the $200 membership or can I just buy a tennis class and go to my local park? Programming's good. So we saw a problem in the marketplace, which was in dense cities, there's not really good programming. It was in the height of the pandemic when clubs were closed. So we wanted to be that outlet to provide that programming at that time. As you mentioned, there was so much back and forth with what's safe, what isn't safe, local regulations and whatnot. Were there any moments during those early days where you thought, oh, I don't, is this going to work? Were there any scary moments for you in those early days? You know, yes, there were scary moments, but I will say that I just really believed in myself. I really believed that it would work. I was confident and I knew we had to, I knew it had to work. So while I was scared, 
there was no quitting. Now I'm way more scared now than I was starting off. Absolutely. Because looking back, it was much easier when it was just me and, you know, a couple of pros. Now we're talking consultants, we're talking payroll. We got to make some things happen. And I'm kind of the, the guy who needs to make sure it does happen. Right. If not, what are we doing? We have to let people go. So I have a special place in my heart to just make sure we find a way to make it work. And I believe we can. I'm very confident we can. But don't let the confidence fool you. Yes, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) I think any any person in a startup, just with how quickly the world changes, they told you they weren't scared or worried about something, then in my mind, they probably already failed. Like it's probably already over because you should be scared. There's a reason why a lot of people work in corporate because you know that good business or bad business, the business will still be there, right? Good business, toss and spin will still be here. Great business will still be there. Okay business will still be there. Bad business, we don't know what it looks like. I think so often our first instinct is to avoid or deny when we're feeling fear. I really appreciate here how Chris describes fear as a very real and yes, reasonable emotion but that doesn't stop him from continuing this journey. So I want to know how he manages that fear instead. Thank you for sharing that. You know, this project is really focusing on people taking those first steps, whether it's into entrepreneurship or anything else. And those first steps are really scary, but it gets scarier sometimes. I don't think we're saying that to discourage people, but just to know that those first steps in some respects are a little easier than what's to come, especially in entrepreneurship. With that said, how do you manage some of that anxiety? You know, Toss and Spin has gone through some real growth and real changes. How are you able to manage that on both a personal and professional level? It's a great question. So I think it's about self-care. I get up really, really early in the morning. Most mornings I'm up by five, if not before five. I either stretch, ride the Peloton, run, meditate, something. Me starting my day with... The simplest of activity really grounds me mentally. And I would definitely recommend just ensuring as an entrepreneur, it's very easy for me to work all day, spend time with the family. They go to bed, work in the night. And when you're doing things you love, it's a lot easier to do. I think every day this week, I have worked all day and then play with the family and play with the little one and then got back online to 11, working on decks and different things like that but I love it, but you have to have that balance because if you don't, at some point you will burn out and I refuse to burn out. So whether that's taking a vacation, which I do, we went for four days on vacation last week or just doing things with family or shutting it off or the holiday. I know a lot of people you will follow online, say they never take breaks, but you have to know yourself too. I think that's the biggest thing. Everybody's different. Everybody operates differently. So knowing how you go, you know, that's how you're going to be successful. As we talk about fears and thinking ahead, because as an entrepreneur, I feel like you want to live in the moment, but you also want to think ahead because thinking ahead is going to allow you to see headwinds that are coming and not be blindsided. A headwind that I see is how long will the pickleball craze last? I personally Mm -hmm. think it's around forever, but in what capacity. So that is what I'm thinking and trying to navigate through. Are you able to share anything that you are toying with or brainstorming about right now? Or is that top secret? It's not top secret. You know, and it's funny. So one of the things I believe, and this could be wrong or right, but basically if I give you the blueprint on how we execute events, you still have to execute. 
And I just mm-hmm. believe there are some things that, especially within myself, you, every person has it. I just feel like they have a God-given ability. They have something that they do better than anybody else. There's just something in them. So even if I give you the blueprint, the next question I ask you is, can you execute and will you execute? Because the majority of people won't execute. So even if I tell them what I'm doing or planning to do, they may not want to figure it out because this is, it's not easy. And I know a lot of times you look on the internet, Instagram, and everything's perfect, but by all means, this is not easy. And anybody who says it is, I wouldn't trust it. So to answer your question, no, some of the things I'm looking at is just creating long-term partnerships. And I want to tie companies into a certain offering for a certain period of time. I think that's going to be key because if we can do that and we creating a three-year deal with X company, then regardless if the pickleball is popular or not, they're still tied to it, right? Any lessons learned over the past couple of years, whether it's about just entrepreneurship in general, managing people, growing a team, or maybe a better question would be, is there anything that you would have done differently as you launched this new business? A friend of mine, when I started, I remember early on, I had like a really rough day and I was like, you know, the the unpredictability of revenue and things happening in the business and blah, 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 blah. I was telling him about it. And he said, even on my worst days, I still would rather work for myself than work for someone else. And Mm -hmm. that has always stuck with me because even on my worst days, I would still rather work for myself than work for someone else at this point in my life. And I never say never, but that's how I feel because I get to see my daughter. She turns one next week and I've seen her every single day in the last year outside of five days where I was traveling or something like that. So those moments are priceless. And I think the two things, if I could give advice, would be understand yourself and what you are good at. So before even starting Toss and Spin, I hired a mentor and we went through really uncovering what we call, what is my superpower? And by really honing in on what I'm good at, allowed me to really go all in on what I'm good at, but also recognize what I'm not good at. And the one thing I also realized too is just because I'm not good at something, it doesn't mean I need to figure out how to be good at it. That just means I need to know I'm not good at that and find someone who has that characteristic to make the team stronger. And then the last thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask for help. People love to be asked for help in different things. My parents have been in corporate for a long time and they're now retired-ish, I used to say. I'm on boards and do different projects. I asked my mom for help. I'm not going to say the company or anything like that because we're negotiating, but I had (laughs) asked my mom for help and the 25-year-old Chris would never ask his parents for help because he didn't want to listen to how they wanted to tell me to do it. But now... I'm like, hey, if you know someone there and you can get an inroad to get a call, you know, I can pitch it. And we did, first time ever, I did a call with my mom yesterday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. You know, after the call, I was just thinking, no matter what comes from it, it isn't even about the call. It's about people want to help you. And it's okay to have help. And if you're privy to have help, ask for it because it will help the process as an entrepreneur. 
You talked about being able to see your daughter every day, being able to work with your family in some capacity. Is there anything else that becoming an entrepreneur has done to build you up on a personal level or in your relationships even? I would just say being an entrepreneur has just really helped me to get to know myself and also just to believe in something bigger, believe that you are more than what a corporate model and a corporate system sees you as. You're destined for greatness. And I believe every individual on the face of the earth has something great about them. And if they can find it, whether that's sports, corporate, whatever it is, you're destined to do it. And I think the first step is just trying to figure out how to jump. Because once you jump, you may fall, you may hurt yourself. But if you keep getting back up, I believe you will succeed. And success looks different for everybody in every business. And I think that's the one thing I, I totally understand. As you want it at different levels, new levels bring new devils. So it gets harder as you continue to try to create. But again, I just feel like, especially for me, I'm on the right path. And my gut just tells me, keep going, keep going, keep going, figure it out, keep going. And I'm not going to stop. So much of what you're talking about, Chris, and this is something I've been toying with a lot lately, is striking this balance between planning and doing and just letting the unknown sort of unfold before you. I know people who do business plans. I know people who are adamantly against them. I'm not going to ask you which camp you're in, but I think what you're talking about is so, a lot of this is just about taking that first step and that next step and that next step before you even know what the next step is going to be. For example, when it comes to expanding globally, you might not know that until you take a couple more extra steps, you know, in front of you in the next couple of years. While there's so many resources that are out there that can tell you how to create a business plan or how to become a global brand, I think those are helpful, but they might not be immediately relevant until you just trust the process and you're taking those steps forward. So I think your story is such an example of that, even going back to the fact that you just started this kind of as a side hustle that you didn't even want as a side hustle, but you just did it. Look at where that's gotten you today. Yeah. And I'll say too, on the piggyback on that, I don't want people to think it's all peaches and cream, right? Because it is very... It's good. It's been great, but it's very difficult. We've had a lot of setbacks, but I want you to remember that every setback is definitely a learning opportunity. And because you have those setbacks, you just added something new that probably someone else doesn't even know. You know what I mean? Because you're trying to do things that has not been done before. So just look at it like that. What have some of those setbacks or challenges been in the past couple of years. Are you able to share that? I'll just give you one that just happened. So recently we had a big event scheduled. Life was good. And then at the last minute, you know, they pulled out of the event. And I think for me, it was the first time it had happened. What it forced us to do is really look at how tight our contracts are. But because we went through the process of creating items for the event and different things like that, we now looked at it like, well, we can create custom items too. So we can add these to our packages. Now look what we can do. So while it was a setback and it would have been a really cool event, and there was media and all these cool things around it, it ended up being a blessing in disguise because while the event didn't go off, we still got to go through the process almost like the event did go off. So 
we were able to learn from it. And now I can add those things into a few things that we're, we're looking to do. Chris, where can people find you and learn more about Toss and Spin? So check out tossandspin.com. When you go there, you will see pickleball front and center, but I don't want people to forget we still offer tennis. If you click on the lessons tab, you will see that our tennis business is very healthy and very good. And we have a full new slew of pros who will be participating in teaching classes and educating consumers to make sure they have fun. So I call it, we're the fun crew. Many thanks to Chris for sharing his story. And please do check out Toss and Spin if you're looking for a fun way for yourself, your family, or your work team to engage in racket sports, especially pickleball. I hear it's a lot of fun. You don't have to be super highly skilled athlete. I need to take my own advice and check it out myself. But I loved how this conversation highlighted how it's possible to take what you know from your past and build something that is more in line with your talents and values. And feeling fear doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's just all part of the process. So if you had any big light bulb moments or questions for Chris, I love to hear about them. Feel free to visit us over on Instagram and drop me a DM or on the post and share what your big takeaways were. We'll share all links to Toss and Spin and of course our Instagram page in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. If this story resonated with you, there's more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Got a what now moment you'd like to share with us? Whether it's in the rear of your mirror or you're in the thick of it right now, your story could be featured next. Let's talk. Find the What Now Project on Instagram and slide into our DMs. Take care.